Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. It's another episode of your favorite podcast of a man trying to slowly murder his girlfriend. Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm um, Cindy. I'm Josh, and I think we have a new theme song. Whoa. I hope not. I, I kind of like our theme song. I'm going to cut that little snippet of do, you singing do, do, the do, opening. Do, do, do. And that's our new theme song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the last week of November. This week uh, we are doing what's Dr. it called? Doctor Sleep. So each month there's a theme. Uh, November's theme as we wrap up season two. Boo! This well, is the end of season two. This is this is our second to last episode for the year. Are we doing a special? We're, we're going to do like a oh. Christmas episode, like a one-off in December Christmas episode. Oh, I did, I, I was unaware of this. I, no, we talked about this. Oh uh, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about this like last, a month ago. <laughs> last week we did if it's a month ago it's gone. Last week we did uh The Shining and, and this week we're following it up with Doctor Sleep. Yep. Which I keep calling Doctor Feel Good in my head. I know a that's wrong. Long ass movie followed by an even longer movie. That's where we are with The Shining and Doctor Sleep. I feel as a our silent third partner David Lynch, you guys need to understand how close this picture is to me when we podcast. I, I, I have been thinking, I have found myself thinking about The Shining almost daily since we watched it, right? Ooh. But I've come to the conclusion that I don't feel as invested in The Shining and in Kubrick movies as I do in, like, David Lynch movies. Does that make sense? That's odd. I... I... Are you just the opposite? No, no, Like, no, when no. we watch something by David Lynch, and I'm not even, you know, in a close to category as you are, but when we watch it, I'm like, oh, like, it drags me in, and I want to look for clues and pay attention to stuff. But when we watched The Shining, it was just like, okay, this guy's... It, it was hard for me to go beyond the superficial level until we started talking about it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that stuff did kind of, huh. Like, I just didn't care. Yeah, and I think all the... Hmm? All of the depth that we were reading into last week's episode, a lot of it came from King and not from Kubrick. Yeah. So I, I, there are filmmakers who are intensely personal and emotional, right? And they make movies. I think that's the difference from that space. David Lynch was a put. You can feel the emotion he has with his piece, and I don't feel that with. Yeah, and Kubrick, Kubrick is very cerebral, right? So shots are gorgeous. It's weird that that comes across like that, but. He doesn't do a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. It's not really his thing. He's more, he thinks, for, you know, it's the difference between someone who thinks from their intuition, like David Lynch, mm-hmm. or someone who thinks from their heart, say like a Hal Ashby, for My instance, favorite director. Or someone who thinks strictly from their head. Yeah. Uh, which is Kubrick. So it's weird that not weird. It's, it's interesting that this, that it comes across like that. I don't know why I think that's weird. I mean, when, that's the whole purpose of art, and right? I, is to express yourself. Yeah, and I think that the best possible director to do a sequel to a Stanley Kubrick movie and also bridge the gap between the Kubrick aspects of the movie and the King aspects of the book is the director of this movie, Mike Flanagan. He strides that gap perfectly, and I think this is this movie is 
pretty incredible and I really liked it. And I don't know why more people didn't see it when it came out last year. Okay, that was my next question. So, okay, when did it come out? Uh, so last year, the year before this shit show. November 8th of 2019. So it's been almost um, a year. Wow, yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah. I saw this in theaters. Wait. Um, I saw this in theaters with a family near me. Like, not my family, but there was another family in the theater. And I was like, I know some of the stuff that's coming. Because, you know... Mm. Now, is this based on a book as well? Oh, this is definitely a book. There's a so, Stephen King book, Dr. Sleep? Yes. Or, okay. Yes. So... I didn't know if this is a fan fiction Twilight sort of a thing. Um, so this is a sequel to The Shining. It's a both a book and a movie that's a sequel to The Shining. How does Stephen King feel uh, about this movie compared oh, to the it. last... Okay. He loves it. So, Sorry. Um, I, didn't, I had to know. He really likes Mike Flanagan, though. And Mike Flanagan is arguably one of the most important horror filmmakers working today, but we'll talk about him in a second. So King reportedly got the idea for Dr. Sleep, the book, in 1998 at a book signing when he was at, you know, he's doing a Q&A session and someone asked him, because it had come up before, like, what do you think happened to Danny Torrance after the events of The Shining? Like, as he grew up, what happened to him? Because um, King usually does a lot of code of stuff a lot of you know like sending his characters off front loads it yeah Yeah. sending his characters off in a direction that you kind of know how they'll turn out he didn't really do that with Danny he was kind of left you know and then the book ends alright so 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 the book itself is also pretty new then right yeah the the book was written a few well in the early 2000s probably we'll we'll get to that okay sorry uh, so King getting ahead of myself. Yeah, King always joked anytime this would be brought up that he Danny Torrance married Charlene McGee, who was the little girl from Firestarter that Drew Barrymore played in the Firestarter movie. But he wait, does he? No. Oh. <laughs> um, he was actually always curious though of like what would have happened. He couldn't stop thinking about Danny Torrance and where he would be in his life with the background and the childhood he had, mm-hmm. what would have happened to him? Right. Where would he have ended up? So he started writing this book in, I believe, 98, and he finished it a few years ago. Okay. So. It took a minute. This movie, I believe, for as in- we talked about The Shining and how intensely personal it was, I believe this movie is just as personal in a different way. And we'll talk about that afterwards. All when right. you've seen it, but... Yeah, I think this movie is, the book and the movie are super important to understanding who Stephen King is as a person now. So The Shining is who he was, and Doctor Sleep is who he is now. Kind of like Danny. And I think that's super important. And I would put this as the, my personally my favorite Stephen King adaptation of the Past decade. Like oh, over wow. the It movies, over everything on Netflix. This Really? Is, this is a big movie. I really, really love this movie a lot. So we don't really need a recap 2019, do we? <laughs> we could go outside. We lived Remember? it. Remember? 2019, you could, you could be in the same room as other oh, people. Oh, how novel. And they could breathe in your face. What? Did Remember people that? with a mask on, though, right? Yeah. Although, the downside was we... We're living in a Trump hellscape that we currently still are in, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so 2019 was bad, and we were all like, "This can't get any worse." And then it, 2020, oh, hold my beer. Yeah. 
Give me some trivia. Uh, Get off 2019. Well, let's just talk about who's in the movie. Okay, let's start there. Right? Because there's not a whole lot of before trivia. Um, So like I said, this movie is written and directed by Mike Flanagan, who is the creator of The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. That show is... Yeah, everyone's talking about that. Incredible. And he also... He didn't direct all of season two, which is The Haunting of Bly Manor, but he basically serves as the producer and I think the writer on most of it. Okay. But he did every single episode of The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, he did Gerald's Game, also Netflix, Before I Wake, Hush, uh, Absentia. Basically, Mike Flanagan is, kills it with every fucking movie. Cool. He's incredible. Uh, this movie is obviously based on a novel by Stephen King. And King gave his full blessing to the changes that we will talk about after we watch the movie. Okay. So there are some changes from the book to the movie that needed to happen. To and make. that's okay. Because this movie does the impossible job of rectifying this, the Kubrick changes from The Shining with the King version of The Shining. Like, it's really weird, but we'll talk about that later. All right. Um, the... So the cast of this movie is incredible. So Danny Torrance, all grown up, is played by Ewan McGregor. Okay, and who that is? Yep. Uh, you know from Star Wars, he was young Obi Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. The best thing about the prequels. <laughs> Train spotting, Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, how about Rebecca Ferguson? Who's that? She's Rose the Hat. She is probably best known as Elsa Faust in the last few Mission Impossible movies. Nope. So I'm sure your child who has recently discovered Yeah, a 10-year-old loves uh, those movies Mission Impossible, They're kind of perfect for him. He would definitely know who she is. She was also in another movie that he loves, The Kid Who Would Be King, the King Arthur movie mm-hmm. that came out a few years ago about the kid that was King Arthur. That movie was really good and I don't know why more people didn't see it. He liked it. Yeah. Um, okay. It also stars Kylie Curran as Abra Stone. She's only no. been in one other thing I saw, which is I Can, I Will, and I Did. And I did not. Yeah, she's 14. So no. yeah, I'm I sure she'll idea. have a career ahead of her. Not so much before this. Okay. Uh, Cliff Curtis. And let me tell you, Cliff Curtis is an actor that every time he shows up in something, and I see I get really excited. <laughs> like, he's, he's, that, he's one of those actors. I'm sure you have these. Where they show up in something, you're like, oh shit, it's him. That guy. Yeah. I fucking love that guy. Yeah. Cliff Curtis. Is that guy? I don't know why. He's like a character actor who fucking slays it in everything I see him in. Uh, <laughs> he plays Billy Freeman. He was in Whale Rider and Sunshine. Oh. He's just a okay. super good actor. And I believe he's like uh, Maori. Okay. Or Maori is which, how do I, I don't know. Maori. Maori? Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell him. I'm super fucking. I like listened that. to a but very Maori. distinct pronunciation about it, and I know there's like a rolled R in there as well, and the the Anglican version of that they laugh at, but it's like Maori. Like I can't do it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, the name. I love the fucking names of the characters in this movie. So John McLaren plays Crow Daddy. That's right. Crow. Crow Daddy. Okay. So like a Creole thing. Uh, no, he's Native American. Okay. He was in, in Into the West and Bone Tomahawk, and this cast is huge, but I'm going to end with Emily Allen Lind, who plays Snakebite Andy. <laughs> These <laughs> names. Fucking cool name. Yeah. 
Uh, she's in Enter okay. the Void, which is a neon insane movie that I enjoyed. And she was on the show Revenge. I guess there's a show called Revenge on oh. CBS that people enjoy, and she was on it. Okay. So there you go. Um, the only other thing I kind of want to point out before we get into this. So Danny Lloyd, who played uh, Dan Torrance mm-hmm. in, in the, the original. original movie, is in this movie. And he's never done anything before. Like, he did The Shining, and that's it. So there is a scene at a Little League baseball game, and one of the spectators who has a line of dialogue is him as an adult. Neat. To just a little tip of the hat, like... Hey, he's you. in the movie. This is the only other thing I think he's done other than The Shining. Cool. Uh, now, there are two different versions of this movie. There's a two and a half hour theatrical <laughs> cut. And I've been prepped that we are watching the <laughs> three, hour three hour special cut. cut. Yeah. The, the director's cut is infinitely better. So I saw the theatrical cut, obviously, when I saw it in theaters. And then I bought the director's cut when it came out on Blu-ray. And it's... That half hour makes a world of difference. All right. Like, it, it really... Makes or breaks the movie? I would say it makes or breaks the movie. It it expands everything out in the ways that it should be expanded out. Mm-hmm. So... All right, let me see this poster. So, I, I obviously, it's about Danny as he... is You know, as, as an adult. Red poster. The uh, iconic scene of Danny in the... Big wheel, but there's an adult Danny walking towards him. Dare to go back. So I, I'm going to say this is a, that Danny has blacked out a lot of what happened and led a fairly normal life, but he's having dream issues and he goes to a doctor who <laughs> makes him, he, who tells him, you know, he's closeted some things and he needs to go back to where it all happened to unlock the memory. And that's where that's what I think. Okay. <laughs> Are you processing that? <laughs> it took him a minute. There was like a delay. No, it was like some of it. I was like, is she kind of describing the plot of The Exorcist too? Oh. Um, <laughs> nope. I've except, never seen that. Except in that movie, James Earl Jones rides a unicorn. No. Um, oh. Like a not a mosquito, a uh, locust. Yep, it's a whole. That movie is insane. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's not scary and it's fucking. So we're watching the Blu-ray version, but I'm, I this is yeah, it's a new movie. It's probably it's on Amazon probably, and all that stuff. I think it's probably on like HBO or Showtime right now too, because it's only a year old. Okay. Now, well, before we watch this movie, uh oh, here here comes a spoiler that's going to make me upset. Um, I will say, I love 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 this movie, and if you have read the book or even if you know Stephen King well enough. You can kind of guess at what I'm about to say. I'm just going to forewarn you, Cindy, mm-hmm. and you, listener. Mm-hmm. There is a very intense mm-hmm. child death in this movie. Oh, my God. So I'm just telling you this now. Oh, okay. And Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so we know Stephen King loves to kill off some kids. Okay. This this may be the pinnacle of his child killing. So I'm just telling you this now because I don't want you to get pissed off at me in the middle of this movie when it happens. <laughs> I wasn't warned about this. All right. <laughs> you have been warned now. Join us, won't you? Doctor I know. Sleep. I'm trying to be. Uh, Doctor mind sleep. the doors. 
the bus this far north you're running away from something <gasps> I'm running away from myself I guess hi you can hear me you're magic like me I don't know about magic I always called it the shining Hey guys, welcome back. We watched Dr. Sleep. What did you think? It was a long ass movie. There were, it was a roller coaster of a ride for me. You had to watch it in stages because there's one scene in particular <sighs> that really emotionally disturbed Cindy. Yeah. So if you did some stretches through the movie, breathing through it, congratulations. If, uh, I love it. Now, what was what was the final time? Like three hours? It's a three-hour movie. Like, the director's cut is a three-hour movie. It was a good movie. Spoiler alert, I liked it. It was just a lot. Wow. Both in length and content. Yeah. It was, a, it was a hard one for your girl here, but yeah, it's yay. It's so weird that my parents, who usually are, any movie seems to drag to them. Right. right? Like, you put in an hour and 35-minute movie, and my dad's like... Your parents are my kind of people. It's a long movie, man. Like, when's this over? Is this almost over? I'm like, dude, it's been on for 15 minutes. Your dad and Um, I are one and the same. We're cut from the same cloth. Dad and mom have both sat to this movie several times. Oh, that is unusual. And they really like it. (laughs) It's a very good movie. So let me recap the plot. Essentially, uh, his name was Danny, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Danny grows up there is trauma he's an alcoholic gets himself clean and realizes that he needs to mentor someone with this gift the way that catman carruthers scatman Scatman carruthers i'm sorry uh mentored him and then plot change now it's about 
uh, a girl that has the powers that he did, The Shining, and she is being hunted by people, beings that feed off of The Shining's spirit, I guess, and an epic battle ensues. I, I think the only piece of your explaining the plot that I would disagree with you on is Dan Torrance, Danny Torrance, adult Danny Torrance, doesn't want to mentor anyone, right? It's it's yeah he he, he wants to pretend it. That's why he was alcoholic. Forced upon him, like <laughs> literally, he has to help her because if he doesn't help her, these I want to say they're like vampires, but they feed off of like people's energy. That's right. Like are they, they beings? They're not even talking about killing her. They're talking about like keeping her like a cow. Yeah, like torturing her. her every so often, which is a fucked up concept. You know, imagine like a vampire keeping someone alive, and then whenever they their blood supply gets back up, then they drain it. And right. They let it get back up, then they drain it. It, it was addressed in uh, uh, in the Sookie Stackhouse series. True yeah. Blood. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that, that was the thing. That was the thing in True Blood. Yeah. But basically, Dan Torrance just wants to live his life and have nothing to do with The Shining. Mm-hmm. And this movie, he starts to Gets- use it again in good ways to, like, help dying people. Oh, I left that part out, yeah. See, like, their loved ones and, and gently transition into the yeah. afterlife. That's a good way to put that. Yeah. So he, he wants nothing to do with this. Oh, what's his name? The Scatman. Yeah, Scatman Crothers' character. I can't remember his name. I don't remember what his name but is. But yeah. he basically shows up and is like, hey, you know how I showed up to help you? Now you have to do this thing. Well, yeah, when I helped, I showed you up to help dead. you when you were going to be killed. Now this girl's about to be killed. Like, you need to help her you kind of a to, thing. Yeah. So he does, and... It's a really interesting plot. There's some cool twists a to it. A lot more people die in the book. Really? I'm sorry, a lot more people die in the movie than in the book. Oh. So. That hat lady. What was her name? Rose the Hat. Rose the Hat. I remember thinking when. She's awesome in this movie. Well, yeah. First off, I like Rose the Hat. But I remember thinking uh, of Cherry the Chair. <laughs> when you mentioned that character's name. I was like, what are we about to watch here? That I there's like, like a talking hat. I like the subtleties with the characters, like when they talk about, they don't outright say, these are their backstories, mm-hmm. but they hint at things with the true knot, and I appreciate that. The only one we get a backstory to is um, the old man. Andy, right? We get, we see her, like when she does the thing with the guys. Oh, yeah. I was talking about well, when yeah, uh, they, she, Grandpa she dies. Kinda, you know, you've been around forever, da, 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 da. A lot of them, if you look, there's little bits of their outfits that are hints. And the biggest one is the Crow Daddy character mm-hmm. has a, you're gonna bring that up. a Union Cavalry holster, yeah. which would imply to me that he's probably he's at been least from there since like the Civil War era, right? At least you know it was probably like a scout of some sort for like this because that's kind of what he does. He scouts. And yep, he can find people. That's his gift. This sequel does something that I think if you're going to make a sequel to a movie or a book does. It's totally different. Well, not not only that, it, it really expands the premise and justifies why it exists in the first place. I like that it filled in that like yeah, like like you're saying like it kind of gave us the parameters and the rules for how the shining works. It, it really and really expands how the shining works yeah. and what it is and, and different little, people use it differently. Yeah, little subtleties like the, being called the knot. 
because that the common thread that binds them all together yeah. sort of a thing. Yeah, and not. It's almost like, um, well, it it's kind of like the force, isn't it? Hmm. So IMDb. Oh yeah, has... give us how do they how do they summarize it. Better than I. Years following the events of The Shining, a now adult Dan Torrance must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. Yeah, it has to be children. Like, I don't know if it has to be, but they, they try to pick them off as children. Well, she, they don't grow she up. says that as they get older, this steam, the power subsides somewhat because parents have their kids on like medications and stuff that's oppressive or they do things like dan did where he just drank himself to death yeah so even when spoiler alert she's killing him and like sucking his shine out she's like you taste like whiskey yeah you just it's it's like a a it's tainted a dirty in a way Mm -hmm. kind of like if Um, if a cow eats onion grass it taints the milk you know and that is a huge change from the book and let's talk about the book versus the movie before we talk about anything else real fast. Go right ahead. I just want to point I out a totally couple of things. I'm totally unfamiliar with the book, so hit me. One of the biggest things that Mike Flanagan, the director, who I adore. <laughs> adore. <laughs> adore. He said that the big, one of the big arguments they had at the beginning of writing the script was, do we go with two, like room 237 or room 217? Why is that? Because... In the Shining book, it's room 217. In the movie, the Kubrick movie, it's 237. And that kind of encapsulates the whole argument he was having where he wanted to make this, but he basically had to sit down with King and be like, hey, I know you don't like the Kubrick movie, but if we're going to make a sequel, How it, do we it does not make sense for us to make a sequel to the 19, I want to say 97 miniseries. Because when people think of The Shining, they think of the Jack Nicholson Stanley Kubrick movie. Right. They don't think of... That is, for better or for worse, the definitive version. And how do we make a sequel to a movie that you hate, that you feel like does justice to your book and to The Shining? The original book that is the reason you don't like the first one. And it took him a while to convince King to let him make the changes to reflect it being not only a sequel to king's book but to the kubrick movie all right and he had to walk a fine line which is really interesting when you look at it some of the stuff that was cut from the book was. for the movie from the book there was a lot more with the dr john character he's a lot bigger in the book dr john the, which one? the doctor oh at the, AA the one who brings the, him into the aa yes. and, and gives him the job die. yeah and then you see the passage of time because he dies uh so that's cut they cut everything with Abra's grandma Momo. The two moms going to go see and why she's yeah. not part so of the So in the book, Abra's grandmother, they call Momo, and they mentioned her once, like offhand, like just as a nod to the book. But she had an affair with Jack Nicholson's character because they're living in the town that Nicholson came from in the Because he's originally book. from New Hampshire. Yeah, he's he was a teacher from there. Area. So he had an affair with her, and then they had Abra's mom. And then, so when she calls him Uncle Dan, that's kind of a nod. Really, in the book, she she really is his niece. And then they know that, like they make that connection. That's like a a big twist in the book, but they just dropped it from the movie because I felt like it would have been trying to force too much in, right? And it wouldn't have made sense. 
They did a good job with that then. So the true knot in the book is slowly dying of from a plague, and they cut that out. And instead they went with a, there's less steam, and they're hungry, and they're starving. Like, that's the movie. The book okay. they're dying from an illness, like a disease. In the last episode, we talked about the Nicholson character. The, well, I call him Nicholson. That's how much that movie is ingrained with The Shining to me. But the Jack Torrance character in the book, The Shining, mm-hmm. gets possessed by the hotel, uh, refuses to let it take... Like, basically, the ending of this movie. Of Dr. Sleep. The movie version of Dr. Sleep. Right. Right? He lets all the ghosts out. They possess him. The hotel possesses Dan Torrance. He goes to attack Abra. And she's like, you're not Dan. And he gets back control. And he's like, you got to go. And then he goes down and blows the building up. Yes. That's the ending of The Shining. (laughs) That is the ending of the book, The Shining. Oh. That's a big... One of the two things that sold Kubrick, or not Kubrick, sold King on letting him do this version was King finally got the ending of The Shining that he wanted in the Kubrick verse. Okay. The ending of The of the Shining, Nicholson corners Danny, and, the, and Danny's like, you're not my dad, and Jack Torrance gets control of his body again, and he's like, you have to get away from me. Oh, okay. And, and then, then he, he goes down destroys and the boilers. blows the boilers. Okay. So... So then how does the book end? The book, Doc, how does the book Dr. Sleep end? Okay, so remember how I said more people die in the movie than in the book? Dan does not die in the book. Oh, <laughs> Dan Torrance lives. Well, I mean, if you listen to the back of a podcast where we just watched the movie and we're talking about it, you should have watched the movie. Fair. So Dan Fair. lives. His friend Billy mm-hmm. lives. Okay. So that's very different. The Jack Torrance character where Jack sacrificed himself and had that moment of redemption in the book that he doesn't get in the movie. He's okay. just a straight baddie. So in no the, moment we're talking about the book the, the book universe. So in the book, Dr. Sleep, so the hotel is burned down in the book. Mm-hmm. They still go there, but it's burned down. So it's just okay. the remnants of like the floor and whatnot. The ghosts come and Jack Torrance shows up as a ghost and he's like a good friendly ghost. Whereas in the movie, he showed up as the waiter in the, the ballroom. Bartender. The bartender. No, it was the... Oh, was yeah, the, bar- the bartender. He and then he's Lloyd the bartender. Right. And that's the scene, the movie scene of Dr. Sleep with the uh, Jack Torrance character, played by the kid from E.T. <laughs> <laughs> really? Grown up. Yeah. That's the whole reason that King signed off on the changes to the book into the movie and signed off on like it being a sequel to the Kubrick film because he did a good job blending it that scene between Dan and Jack Torrance because Jack is essentially standing in for Dan's addiction okay self-loathing okay and like trauma he pours him a drink and he's like you have a family and they have mouths and they take and they take and they take and he could never quite get over that Mm -hmm. and Dan has so he's He's successful. Better himself than his dad. Yeah, I got that. So that whole scene, King loved it so much, he was like, okay, uh, you know, based on that, that was his big, like, selling point. It was such an interesting story. I really, really liked it. I see what you meant in the beginning about how if The Shining was Stephen King as a young writer and a young father, this is him as an old father or an old, you know, watching his children. Like, I get that. He's yeah. definitely, there. there's definitely a lot of closure there. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about, like, the themes and what's behind Dr. Sleep, 
you kind of can't talk about it without talking about how it relates to The Shining. Mm-hmm. The Shining is about alcoholism and addiction, yeah. right? And abuse. Dr. Sleep is about recovery and rebuilding healthy yeah. boundaries. You have one, which is the low, and then the other, which is the high. This movie is kind of about... It's a book, too, but we'll just talk about the movie. Yeah, because I don't know the book. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like generational redemption. Genera- I like that. Generational yeah. redemption. So Flanagan talked about... It's about generational, generational redemption and recovery and earning a happy ending in the fact that, like... Dan Torrance in the movie makes up for the sins of his father and he has spent his entire life trying to hide a gift and the last thing he tells Abra is you know I was wrong yeah like you need to just let it fly like shine on is what he tells her yep I did like that so if we're gonna archive this is there action yes the end scene I think would rival a Fast and Furious movie (laughs) <laughs> revolutionary I mean seriously there's blow ups there's I mean things are happening it's, so fast there's ghosts coming in and out ending, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, revolutionary yes this was a new type of a story a new way for it to kind of wrap up I I definitely think that I think this will potentially piss someone off but it's like do you want to, do we want to guess which person it is that you're going to piss off if someone would drive their car they're going to be saying this they're going to be like this is fucking bullshit but <laughs> why is aliens such a fucking amazing sequel to Alien because it took the mechanics and the structure of the first film and then made it a lot, a lot bigger. It. Yeah. There, I won't say fixed it. Oh, well. <sighs> but I mean, just it, kind of set parameters and borders and explain the rules of the world. There has to and how be things work. a reason for a sequel, mm-hmm. right? I just watched Escape from L.A. because apparently I hate myself. Yeah. That movie is terrible. The audio just, that scared uh, <laughs> scared the ten year old. Uh, it just recycles the plot from the first movie and doesn't add anything. That's what makes for a shitty sequel. Mm-hmm. I think this is this and Blade Runner twenty forty nine have been incredible sequels over the past few years. Two movies they're, and that they're came both out three hours long. Ages ago, ages like the this is a sequel to a movie that is what. 40, 39 years old? Yes. I mean, that's incredible. And there's still an audience for it, too, of people and new new watchers and new readers and new, in addition to the... You know why? Massive fan base. Why is that? Because uh, genre films, especially horror, is eternal. <laughs> it's eternal. Right? Like, how many people pull out every single drama film from 1980 and talk, like, oh, remember, like... Gandhi. Like, no, no one does that. But <laughs> we do that with horror films. Like, horror... It's just historical, yeah. yeah. Horror is the one genre where people are like, I have to see everything, no matter how good or bad it is. Especially uh, you, I, my dear. I've sat through some bad ones. Killing, for sure. Different ways. Uh, it's terrifying. The, There's torture. The tr- yeah, okay. So two of the scenes. Let's talk about those real fast. One, the little boy. <laughs> the baseball boy. Mm-hmm. That is... Yeah, that scene is fucking hard. Yeah, that was real to get bad. Through. I we saw this. On mute. Yeah, I saw this in a theater, and there was a lady who had her whole, her kids there. Damn. And I'm talking like eightish. Damn. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I know what's about to happen, and I'm pretty sure that Flanagan's going to go all the way. And, <laughs> and this family is not prepared. He did. 
And that lady did not take her kids and leave. I'll give her credit. A tip of the hat to you, lady. If you did, the kids start freaking out. No. Maybe they all had like headphones and were watching their movie. Or she just like prepped these kids by being like, "Yeah, my kids watch insane horror movies all the time." Maybe they're just definitely cool. But yeah, so that death scene is hard as fuck. It's like one of the hardest death scenes I've ever watched in a movie because it's just them torturing a child. No ifs, ands, buts. Yep. Like, very clearly torturing a child with a knife and killing him. It was pretty bad. Um, when that is flipped and Dan and Billy are shooting the true knot mm-hmm. and they're doing that thing where they face, with, I think that death scene is, those are incredible. Yeah. Like, they actually worked with a, like a dancer and a puppeteer For the to, movement. like, help them, like, how they would, like, die in a similar <laughs> way that like, looks crazy when they turn into, like, the mist and shit. Fuck Yeah. Like, fuck yeah, this movie. So, the end of the month. Oh, no, we need to finish Arkov. Duh. Uh, Oratory. Oratory. Yes. yes, a million times over. Um, this is where we get, not Shadow the movie, but there's so much. Uh, yeah, red rum. I don't think I'll look at a, char- a chalkboard kind of the same. That's an inter- That was an interesting element. Yeah, you it. know the only unbelievable thing about this movie is? What? There was a cheap apartment that beautiful? Yeah. I buy <laughs> that people have, like, fucking mental powers. I don't buy that someone can... Live in that apartment in that house. for $65 a month. A week. Or for a week, sorry. Yeah, no. Do not buy it. No, 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 no. That's what we don't get. Uh, fantasy? Yes. Yeah. Fortification? The whole thing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rose I mean, the there's... Hat a lot of boxes. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of, like, sexiness, and there's uh, a lot of illusion. Watching, but, um... watching her strut around yeah. in that, oh, yeah, it, it, it did a lot. Um, overall, did you like this movie? I did like this movie. It was, like I said, it was a little hard for me to watch. That one scene was pretty rough, but yeah, I mean, it was a good movie. It was an excellent story. It was well told. I, I think I like what you said, how it, it, for me at least, it picked up right where the movie left off and it went on and it was great. But I like the, how you said it kind of blended the book and the movie yeah. together so it kind of brought those worlds in and I think the thing is it just now struck me as you were talking the whole we've talked in the past with different movies about it being about generational trauma and this one being more about like a generational redemption Jack Torrance can't handle his ghosts no it takes Danny his whole life to handle the ghost. He did, but well, he, he does at the end. And he and he not only handles his ghost, he handles his father's ghost too, yeah. doesn't he? And that was a really interesting point to kind of nail home. Like, yeah. He got both of it. But thanks to, you know, Dan had a shitty teacher in his dad. His yeah. dad was the worst. But because of Abra's family and then because of Dan... The movie ends with her already conquering those ghosts. Because she is talking to her mom about things and, like, talking about her gift. Letting her yeah. light shine on, as uh, Danny well, told her. even, say. like, the begin- towards the beginning of the movie, the lady in the bathtub. Like, yeah. Danny sees her and he's afraid of her and it takes a while for her to, for him to learn, like, how to make the box. And, and from yeah, Dick Halloran. The mom. remember Dick Halloran's name. <laughs> And then she just does it. After she talks to Dan, she talks to her mom, and she goes in the bathroom. And it makes sense to her. Screen. She's like, okay, yeah. She just, like, and that is indicative of our generational change. I agree. Like, you look at how your mom, my parents, like, boomer, that boomer era. Totally and A little agree. younger. 
how they process things, they didn't deal with. I was going to say, the books kind of reflect the times, you know, the way that The Shining was written was how trauma and things like that were handled then. And this movie is like, no, this is how it's supposed to be handled. Like, which way, you know, ends better. And Danny would be, what, Gen X? Yes. Right? And the fact that he does come to terms and deals with everything, but he takes him his entire life to do it. Yeah. But he works on it and gets there. Like, so he's able to better himself. And then... I wish it had shown a little bit more of the... Well, I guess the book does. The work that he had to put in. And then Abra is basically a millennial or whatever is after millennial and she just can do it because we have been creating a culture hopefully that allows people of difference to have the ability to express themselves and be who they are and not have to fit in a certain box and hide why they're so special I like this movie especially when you put it like that that's why this movie is so great and I'll be honest with you this is one of the few horror movies that from the moment that he's blowing up the boiler mm-hmm. and his bomb's ghost shows up mm-hmm. through the ending totally makes me sad. Oh, yeah. But it, it's, it's a happy sad, isn't it? Isn't it? I liked it. So this is the end of the month. So we're going to rank our movies of which we liked best to worst. Wake up, wake up. It's um, the end of the month. I think... I think we're going to be in agreement with number five. <laughs> For which one was the worst? I think we're both going to put Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery, yeah. That was so bad. <laughs> I love um, it, though. I love it. But again, I grew up on it. But yeah. when you stack them as movies, it's definitely the <laughs> number five spot of For these sure. Yeah. Uh, four, I think, maybe put Dead Zone there. Ooh, I would go Misery. Really? And I like Misery. I'm going to put Misery as three. I would put The Dead Zone at three. Oh, and then two Shining, one Dr. Sleep. I really like Dr. Sleep. Okay. Did you flip it? I like what you're doing here. Um, I... You picking up what I'm putting down, Sergeant? I want to agree with you so bad. However. Love... I feel like there's a however happening. Love, love, love Dr. Sleep. And Dr. Sleep hits me in a better... Checks the boxes and hits all the emotions. But I have too much history and too much nostalgia with The Shining. Look at a cop out. So I would have to go Doctor Sleep and then The Shining. Whatever. And especially because you can't have the one without, without the other. The That's Shining. why Shining too, and then we build on that for one. No, I get it. I get it. I, I think to be honest, if I were young and had never experienced either of these movies like I, and yeah. watched them back to back, I would probably the way I did. go Doctor Sleep first. The way I was forced to. But I, I can't, like... Yeah. So this was a great way to wrap up season two. Uh, the month of December is my birthday month, which uh, I get to pick the theme, and the theme is we take a break. <laughs> we will have a Doctor Whovian, like, uh, Christmas episode that will drop. But especially this year, life is just a little too chaotic this month uh, to try and throw in a few hours to not only watch the movie, but then break it down. It's um, it's been hectic. We will see you all uh, at Christmas. And uh, other than that, we'll see you in 2021, y'all. For what I want to say is going to be probably Anna and the Apocalypse, I think is what we're going to watch for. Nice. um, Why not? Let's start the year good. Oh, for the oh, you mean for, for Christmas, Christmas episode? Oh, and the apocalypse. Um, oh, I, I'm yeah. sorry. I thought you meant for like apocalypse, like movies. No, no, no. But before we leave, mm-hmm. 
2020, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, has been an utter shit show. Yes. If you are a person going into, because we just came out of Thanksgiving, and we're going into uh, December into Christmas. The holiday season isn't always easy, bud. Yep. Um, first of all, Cindy and I give you full permission to not talk to your family if your family makes you feel like shit. Yeah. You don't have like, to. You can talk to us instead. You're not, you are fully allowed to skip Christmas with your family if all they do is be an asshole to you. We yes. love you. Yes. We'll be your family. You are family we will, uh, We will celebrate uh, whatever holiday you celebrate with you. Um, that being said, you can always reach out to us on our Facebook page. If you know us personally, on our individual social medias, whatever. Don't feel like you have to be alone for the Definitely holiday season. Not. We're here for you, bud. We love you. Talk You're to like you guys our family. Soon. Mind the door. Oh, wait. <gasps> for the last time this season. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. We'll see you at Christmas. Bye.